Ready to explore the branches on your family tree? Join Abbott historian and genealogist Cherie Harper as she helps you begin your journey of finding out just where you came from. Brick Walls and Pitfalls starts now. So have you ever wondered where you came from or been interested in your family history and just didn't really know where to start? My name is Cherie Harper and I am a genealogist, technically an amateur, although I've been doing it for about 10 years. Um, I have a Facebook page for my research services, which is Insight Genealogy. I am a, a local from the Upper Cumberland, live in Sparta, Tennessee. And I started out on this journey probably about 10 years ago. Um, I've always been really interested in genealogy and family history. I was primarily raised by my grandparents and spent a lot of time with them growing up. And so um, I was always the kind of kid who was very interested in, you know, old photos. And I loved hearing all the stories. I always was very inquisitive, asked a lot of questions, um, questions that I don't think a lot of, you know, children typically asked. Um, I loved hearing everything about what life was like for them you know, the people that raised them, where they came from. I was always really interested in it. And honestly, when I started all this, um, I didn't even know where to start myself, had no clue, had never really tried to do a family tree. Um, I had started staying home when I had my second child and had a little more free time um, in between naps and things like that. And so I got an Ancestry.com account and just thought I would see what I could find. Um, in my family... I knew quite a bit about my dad's side of the family because that's the grandparents I knew so well. My mom's side of the family, not so much. Um, I also worked on my husband's family tree, and there were parts of his family tree that we had no information for. So getting started was um, a little tedious, and I would like to try and help other people who are interested in doing this figure out where to start, how to go about it. You know, there are definitely some brick walls you'll run into. There are pitfalls with research. Um, you will run into a lot of situations where other people have done research that is inaccurate. And you have to be really careful not to add that to your tree and, you know, cause sort of a domino effect of inaccuracies in your own inaccuracies in your own tree. But I just want to give you some basic information about, you know, how you can get started, what the resources I use that have been really beneficial to me. And, you know, invite you at any time to come visit my Facebook page at Insight Genealogy. And, you know, if you have questions and need help, I'd be glad to try and help you and direct you and see if I can make it easy for you to get the answers that you're looking for. You also have to kind of decide when you start this. Um, I think a lot of us start out thinking, oh, I'll just poke around and see what I find. And before too long, you realize that you are down a rabbit hole. A lot of this involves research. If you're analytical, it tends to be easier for you, I think, if you're able to just sort of string together events that seem similar or, you know, sort of common sense. A lot of it is. A lot of it's intuition. A lot of it's common sense. Um, a lot of it is based off information you've been given from, you know, family members or other sources. Having said that, you also have to be really careful not to get hung up on what you think you know and be open to the idea that the information you have may not be right. I've encountered that a lot um, in the course of 10 years now doing this where you get sort of hung up on one idea of what you think should be there and you don't find it. So I'm hoping over the course of this podcast to give you some tips to help make it easier for you and help you maybe not be so frustrated, especially when you're starting out and get, get discouraged, because once you get past a certain point, it does get easier. The research skills it takes do get more familiar and you can usually find most of the answers that you're looking for. And so I'm going to start out with the basics. Um, you would want to start with your own family. You want to write down, you know, your date of birth, where you were born, your marriage dates, all those kind of things. 
and you want to go from you to your parents with their information, go beyond them to their parents. Um, a lot of this information you can get from, you know, family members, obviously. Um, typically, to really get going with a family tree on any of the research sites, you're going to need information from about 1940 and back. So in my case, my grandparents were born in 1934. So if I could get everything to, for my grandparents, I pretty much have a good starting place to jump from from there. The reason 1940 is so important is that that's the last census that was released um, to the public for the United States census. Basically, the census has to be 72 years old before they release it to the public because it is considered still private information. A lot of those people might still be alive. Um, and so it's like a privacy issue. And so the most recent one they released, I believe, was back in maybe 2011 was um, the 1940 census. Or I guess it would have been 2012, actually. But um, that's once I had that, I was actually able to see my grandparents as babies, as small children, which was pretty interesting. It's kind of neat to see that. But the censuses give you a lot of information. They give you, you know, birth dates, basically, the ages of people at that time, who all is living in the house, where they're living. And that kind of gives you a, a, a groundwork to build on. There's not a whole lot of personal information there, but there's more than you would think on some censuses other than others. And I hope that I can go into that at some point, um, you know, when we get deeper into this. But you want to get with your family and find out the basic things and try and get back to about 1940. Once you get past that, um, it gets much easier. But so I would encourage you to talk to family members, look at um, a lot of people have family Bibles that have that information in it. Um, there are also a couple other sources where you, you obviously could visit cemeteries. If you know where your great-grandparents are buried or something, you could go there. You can get their dates off of their headstones. Uh, there also is a website called findagrave.com that will give you that same information. A lot of the cemeteries are already documented where, you, you know, if, if you know they're buried in Kentucky, you don't have to drive to Kentucky. A lot of times it'll be online and you can find it there. But if you can get that basic information, you can get started. Um, you want to ask your family for any information that they know. I would encourage you, if you have elderly relatives, to uh, see if they would mind being interviewed. That's always a nice thing to do if you can interview them, whether it be video or audio. You know, you can take notes as you're talking to them, but it does definitely help to be able to go back and reference something they said because something they say to you may not seem important now, and later when you are in the middle of a you know, a, a brick wall situation, um, some little something they said may be the one piece of information you need that makes that make sense, and you may not remember it. So I would encourage you, if you get a chance to talk to any of your relatives, I would encourage you to um, to see if they will allow you to record it. It does help. Um, so once you do get the basic stuff jotted down somewhere, there's several different sites you can use. I personally prefer Ancestry.com, mostly because it seems to have the most records available um, I am now a mom of three and I work full time. And so I definitely don't have time anymore to go to like local archives and things like that. Um, a lot of us don't. And so this is something if you if you know, if, I think there's familysearch.org, there's familytree.com. There, there's lots of them you can use. It's just me personally. I've, I've always chosen Ancestry. It seems like it's the most widely used and it seems like it has the most records available. And so it makes it easy for you to sit home. You know, if you're having a night where you can't sleep, you can sit there in your pajamas and, you know, research without ever, ever having to leave your house. And, um, you know, definitely for me, that works better. Um, having said that, there are times where you're not going to find what you need on Ancestry. It's going to end up requiring you to either go visit the area and see their local archives, or you may have to contact them and see if they can research it for you. And there's usually a small fee involved in that. 
I mean, so there's lots of ways you can get around the information that's not available online, but that is definitely the best place to start. So once you join one of the um, genealogy websites, it has all the tools there for you to kind of go ahead and start putting in information and building your tree. And so once you do that and you start putting in information, especially with Ancestry, it will start giving you hints um, and it will start kind of directing you where it, it thinks that it has information about the ancestor you've listed based on what you put in. And you do have to be careful with that because that is not always the case. Sometimes it's giving you information about someone similar or something. It You know, it's, it's an algorithm. Um, so basically, it's a computer program that's trying to match you up with information. Um, a lot of times it works great. Sometimes it doesn't. But it, it's always a good thing to... Um, you know, it sort of does help direct you sometimes and does pull things in sometimes that you wouldn't necessarily know to go look for. So that can be helpful. But you want to work backwards. So you want to start from yourself and work, you know, your parents, then your grandparents. And then if you know anything about their, you know, your great grandparents, that's also, you know, that's great. Um, but basically, I would tell you to start with that, work your way backwards as far as you can with the information you have. Uh, once you have the basic stuff in there, kind of pick one line of the family that you're going to work on. Um, you can bounce around, but it seems to me, at least in, in the way my brain works, that if you kind of pick one family and just sort of go straight back the line, it makes the line of thought easier. You don't get so muddled, especially when you're dealing with, you know, maybe multiple counties within a state or multiple states sometimes. <laughs> if you're jumping straight from one to the other, um, in the same line of the family, you're, you kind of get to where you start remembering where everybody fits. You start remembering names. You start seeing patterns that help you and make it easier to find things. So, uh, you know, in my case, I originally started this on my husband's side of the family and was working on his paternal grandfather. And so once I got that information, then I sort of worked backwards from there and got as far back as I could get pretty easily with that group and then I came back and started you know on the other side the paternal grandmother side and things like that so it does seem to make it easier because a lot of the the names repeat um, the area they live in you start kind of start getting familiar and so it does make it a lot easier to put that together Um, so you're going to want to look for crucial records a vital records are a great source Um, vital records would be like you know birth and death certificates basically um, the state of Tennessee in particular has um, does not have birth records online, but they do have sometimes they have birth indexes for certain counties. It's kind of odd the different records you'll find, but birth indexes, um, there are something in Tennessee called delayed birth records, is, which is basically anyone born before a certain year. When they started requiring birth certificates, people didn't have them. And so you had to go through the state and get affidavits and things like that and register to get a birth certificate. And so... I've got ancestors who were born in probably the late 1800s and around the turn of the century when that started being a requirement, they had to go fill out paperwork that listed a whole wealth of information in order to get this, you know, new birth certificate. And so birth and death certificates are obviously, you know, a great source of information. Sometimes those are wrong. I've seen that a lot as well. So you you can't always take all that as fact. Uh, There are times where maybe they don't know the information. They're just repeating what was told to them. So, you know, for instance, they could say their mother's maiden name was Thomas and she was born in Kentucky. Well, maybe you find out later when you're looking that it looks like maybe it was Thompson. You know, it's very possible that they just didn't know it. Um, You know, some families talk a lot about things like that and some don't. And so they tend to just relay what they know. Uh, But so you have things like that. Um, The other 
really important uh, record that I would say to look for. Just when you're starting, that would be birth and death and then censuses, because those do start from 1940 and go all the way back. Uh, between 1850 and 1940, everyone in the household is itemized on those censuses. And so it would give you, you know, for instance, if you're looking at your third great-grandpa in 1850, who is, you know, a small child, you will also see his parents, his siblings. And it'll tell you on those where everyone, the state everyone was born in and about what year they were born. Um, so that's definitely a good source to look to. Those are the three I would say are the most important. And there's always a lot of other records and information you can find out there that kind of supplement and go with that stuff. Um, you have to watch for spelling differences because a lot of people, um, especially if you're looking at lower income families, uh, farmers, things like that, uh, tended to not be able to read or write. And so the census taker would phonetically spell whatever they said their name was which would mean that you might find it spelled three or four different ways over the course of looking at the same ancestor. That's common. You also will see ages jump five or ten years sometimes. Uh, I think that's because a lot of times they didn't record it, and the older they got, they would just sort of guess or just sort of spout out a roundabout number. So you can't. I encourage you to not get stuck on, you know, if you find that their birth date says 1858 on a headstone, don't let that be the thing that sticks you. You're, it, it's possible that's not accurate. It's possible you'll find out it's very different once you get further back in the census. As you'll see them, maybe in the 1860 census, it shows they're born in 1853 because they're seven. I tend to think that the censuses that are closest to when they were born will give you the most accurate idea of when they were born. But you just have to be willing to take all that with a grain of salt because a lot of it was passed down. Um, a lot of it you know, as far as where someone's parents were born, sometimes they don't know that. They they think it was North Carolina, so they just tell the census taker North Carolina. Um, you know, and you'll see that change sometimes, too. Uh, you'll see birth dates change. You'll see where they say they're from change. You'll see lots of things that will change, but there will be enough similarities there that you know that you have the right group of people. So um, those are some things you run into. But typically, if you're using birth, death, and censuses, you can get the basics you need to get back several generations relatively quickly. Um I know one of the things that I've also run into is trying to figure out why, you know, someone would move from, especially when you're talking about the 1800s, why someone would migrate from, say, North Carolina to Tennessee. Um, or I was looking at one the other day where someone left Tennessee and went to Arkansas. Why would they do that? And so you can do a quick Google search, honestly, and kind of get context sometimes for some of the historical things you're looking at. That, I mean, you're never going to know for sure, but you can get an idea maybe of what their life was like and why they might have made some of those choices and try and kind of figure out a pattern to, you know, what they were trying to do for their family. Um, and so a quick Google search, you know, looking around the Internet, um, you can also, you know, go to your local library. They have a lot of reference material usually for the area that you live in that, that gives you some of that information. There's oftentimes uh Books that were written about the first families of an area, you know, you can go to your local library or genealogy area, and sometimes they have those. Sometimes you can get them on Amazon or, you know, Google or something like that as well and order a copy. Um, if you live out of the area, you can call those places. There's lots of historical societies that uh, do research and things like that, and sometimes they just know exactly what you need because they're more familiar with the records they have. So you can make calls. Uh, you'll find that most people who are interested in this kind of thing, we're all kind of a we're, we're kind of special in the sense that, um, you know, we could go on a tangent for hours about a certain part of our family. And we're also very excited usually to help someone else figure those things out. Uh, me personally, I've always been really interested in, um, you know, research, history, things like that. 
And so a lot of this for me is kind of solving puzzles all the time. It's sort of detective work, so to speak. Uh, I do definitely still have some areas of my own family tree that aren't resolved yet that I'm still working on. Um, But for the most part, I've been able to figure out ways over the years to get around it and get enough information that even if I can't prove it, I feel like I, you know, have the most likely explanation for something or the most likely, you know, ancestor. Um, So, you know, there's lots of ways you can get the information. Uh, I would encourage you really to to try and not get frustrated. It can be very frustrating, especially if you if you run into a brick wall on an ancestor. Probably the best thing to do is to walk away from that one and, and do a do a different one and come back with a clear head because uh, sometimes you do get stuck on something. Um, keep track of your research. Ancestry is a great place to do that. Anything that you add to that ancestor, it saves it for you. You don't have to print it. You don't have to keep up with it. Um, so that's why I recommend using those you know web based options. Uh, there's like, like I said, there are lots of family historical societies, usually in most areas. So if you're from the area that you are researching, go join those, go talk to those people. Uh, there's a lot of help and a lot of information there that you may not be aware of. Um, you know, brick walls is another issue that's really, um, a lot of us run into. It, It can be very frustrating when you get to a certain point in your tree and you absolutely cannot figure out how to get past it. Uh, That happens to all of us, even people who are, you know, seasoned and, you know, think that they know every trick in the book. And so now there is there's genetic testing that you can do that Ancestry just rolled out a new program that actually gets around. um, It's 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 called through lines and I won't go into it today, but basically what it does is it finds everybody that you share a certain kind of certain amount of DNA with that you have similar ancestor listed in your tree. And so it kind of gives you who it thinks that your common ancestor is. And again, sometimes that's right, sometimes it's not. But it's a good tool. It gives you at least an avenue to look at. So, uh, you know, if the paper trail gets difficult, you know, if you have your DNA tested and and have it into Ancestry Database and you start learning more about how to use that, you can use that as well to kind of help unravel some things. Okay, so that's sort of the basics that I wanted to talk about today. Uh, I hope in the future maybe to do some interviews with some people. And if you have something you'd like researched and, and would like some help with it or help getting started, you can uh, check me out on my Facebook page, which is Insight Genealogy uh, Family Research Services. And I'd be glad to try and answer you and direct you. I'm also going to probably go ahead and post uh, the basics that I went over here there so you can reference back to that to get an idea of where to start. But this has been Brick Walls and Pitfalls with Cherie Harper and Insight Genealogy Research Services. Keep checking back in the Henson Oakley Family Dentistry Podcast Center for new episodes every two weeks. Or again, check my Facebook page at Insight Genealogy Family Research Services. Thank you.